Kaden PR acknowledges the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to the Press Office with Kate and Co PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to the Press Office with Caden Co PR. Fashion is well and truly in the air following last week's Afterpay Australian Fashion Week, which the agency was lucky enough to work on through the Adaptive Clothing Collective runway. While we are lusting away at all of the looks spotted during Fashion Week, what better time than now to chat with fashion stylist extraordinaire and a dear friend of the agency, Donnie Galella. I have been lucky enough to work with Donnie over a number of spring and autumn racing carnivals for the Australian Turf Club, and I can't wait for you to hear how and why he truly is one of the best in the biz. Now, let's get on to the interview. Donnie, welcome to the press office. I really, really wanted to have you on this season because I just want to talk to people from all different worlds within the media industry. And as a stylist, we get to work with you on some really cool campaigns. So firstly, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Before we kick off, do you mind introducing who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Well, my name is Donnie Galella, and I'm a fashion stylist. Uh, you can say I've taken a bit of the long way, a bit of a long road to get to where I am today. I, as a little kid, always loved fashion, drawing, sketching, making things, and knew I wanted to be in the fashion industry, but didn't know where I would land. So I took the long way, went to university first, worked in a safe bank marketing job, but started entering little fashion design competitions on the side and started winning those. And I thought, oh, there's something behind this. But the catalyst was having a friend going to the races one day and she's like, I want to go to the races. I went to buy a hat and I can't afford it. They're really expensive. They're like five, six hundred, seven hundred bucks. So I said, leave it with me. And I went to Spotlight and I got some materials and I made her a hat and she ended up placing at Fashions on the Field and all these women came up and like, oh, can I have a card? And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, sure, and scribbled my name on a piece of paper. And then I just started making more of these hats and I started filling them with a few different celebrities. Um, I was doing a bit of wardrobe work at that time and getting them on a few different celebs. So got it on some great people at the time like Jen Hawkins and Ada Nicodemu. And, and then I got a call from Maya and Maya were like, can we stock your hats? And I was just like, whoa, whoa, um, okay. So I stocked my hats at my, I think, about two or three seasons. And But when I was dressing clients with my hats, I was telling them, wear that dress with those shoes and that bag and do your hair like that and do your makeup like that. And I really started to love that process more than just making the hats. I loved helping someone head to toe with their outfit. 
So needless to say, styling took over and that led to dressing like lots of celebrities, which then led to like the red carpet side of things and that led to editorial styling, which led then to um, working in TV production, working in styling for TV, uh, hosts for TV shows or whatnot, um, and then working with different brands that I've worked with over the, the many years as well. So it was one of those evolutions of a career that I never really knew exactly where I was going to land in the fashion industry. So just really grateful to kind of have that path and that journey and I guess you know, here I am today. Long story. No, I love that story. And your trajectory hasn't been just from A to B. And I love stories like that because I feel like so often people are really bogged down in like their uni studies and their career and they don't know where they want to take it. But you never know where you could end up as long as you've got that passion. That's it. And that's the thing with fashion is like, you know, you might say, I want to be a designer, but then you learn through the process, you want to be in PR or styling and even within styling, there's so many facets of styling. Are you going to be editorial, runway, personal shopping, personal styling, working on TVs, movies? So I guess my advice to anyone that wants to be in the styling or fashion industry is just kind of go with the flow and follow those opportunities. I really believe in the universe and manifesting kind of where you want to go and projecting brands you want to work with and uh, and then just going with that flow and seeing where it takes you and looking for those doors that open and the doors that close and use that as a kind of a, a guide to, to your path. I love, I love the idea of manifestation and I'm definitely going to loop back onto that. But just initially, from the outside perspective, your job seems very, very fun and very, very glamorous. What does your actual day-to-day look like as a stylist? I wish I had a like a a regular day-to-day but I I don't every day is so different every week is so different I but what I try to do is have some components of a day that are regular so for example I wake up straight to my coffee machine sit down have two coffees off the bat and kind of start thinking or planning my day looking at my calendar what's ahead love to get exercise out of the way first thing in the morning because I know it's just done but then every day is different like for example this morning I went straight to channel nine to do a segment on today extra uh and then I came home and then I had to go pull some books from for a designer for a fashion week next week and I've come back recording this with you then I'm off to do some sourcing and personal shopping with another client and then tomorrow will be totally different again and I think I love that I feel I love that every day is different every week is different there's always a different client who has different needs who has a different body shape who has uh, a different event to go to and I think I just really do adore the fact that there's so much variety uh, in my day but I guess time management for me is probably one of the most important skills is knowing how to manage a diary and working okay that appointment should take two hours and I can slot something else in there could do that podcast then right then I can go to the shops so having good time management is absolutely crucial I'm not going to lie I am a little bit of a shopaholic so the thought of being a stylist does seem like a little bit of a dream is it all fun is it all just shopping and having the time of your life I I I wish but I think there's so many facets that we don't see so you know behind the scenes we see that gorgeous outfit but behind that there was many hours of running around I actually think I'm a glorified career driver I spend more hours in my car picking things up dropping things off dry cleaners fittings so there's a lot of behind the scenes that we don't see that happens as a stylist then you obviously you got your returns taking everything back to the designer that kindly loaned you things spending time you know altering clothes getting things fixed taping up shoes so there's definitely things that we see behind the scenes that aren't glamorous at all back to the glamour though do you have any epic styling stories that you can share with me any dream clients or campaigns you've got to work on oh wow this could literally go for three days if i listen but no uh, i guess there's different things different clients that you know have led to different moments so for me 
you know, working with different people like Sophia Loren and Richard Branson, who for me have been icons since I've been young. So working with them was a pinch me moment. But then when I'm on set with other people who really inspire me, like Taria Pitt and Julia Morris, who both just gorgeous human beings who just make me laugh and have such beautiful energy and aura. So when you're working with them, you just it's just a joy. But then also red carpet set my heart racing because it's like you've only got one chance to do this. You can't redo it. You know, once they hit the carpet, it's done. Um, so working in Dalian's, Brownlow's, Logies, there's something about doing a live event, a big national red carpet, which is so it just gets my heart racing because it's fun and you need that one chance to get it right. So, but you know, and then when I did my very first Oscars red carpet, you know, as a kid, you always dream about an Oscars moment, and I had a gorgeous actress called Belinda Bromelow in The Great, which I think's on Stan, and um, she was going to the carpet. That was my first Oscars, and that collaborative process, you know, finding a designer, working with a designer, having a gown custom made going through the fitting process finding the right jewels the right bag the right clutch and then seeing it unfold and seeing it hit the red carpet is such a moment such a special moment that you will always kind of cherish and know that you're part of pop culture history all of those stories give me like goosebumps they're so amazing and you have done such an amazing job in your career so far i have always said too that if i'm ever accidentally famous which who knows could happen that you would be my stylist of choice. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I am ready to take your brief. One of the things that I really do love about you is that you obviously style these amazing celebrities, A-listers, but you also do style everyday people and you're someone who is quite passionate about, you know, styling people of different shapes, sizes, ages, and making them really shine in pieces that they're comfortable in. Absolutely. It's something that I've prided myself on from day one. Maybe it comes from the background, my upbringing. And, I mean, if you, this, Australia's got so many fabulous stylists. But if you do scan through a lot of their portfolios of work, they tend to maybe just dress a very similar body shape or person each time. But me, I love to show that I can easily take that gorgeous size 6 model and make it look fabulous or that beautiful 20 size 6 curvy woman from home who wants a new wardrobe update and we whether you want to go to gucci or target you know like i can help you and i think that maybe comes up from a a very humble italian um heritage where your dad was a boiler maker we didn't have a lot of money so we had to get a bit creative and the italian when you grow up there's italian heritage there's a thing called la bella figura which comes from this thing where you always try present yourself nicely even though you may not have the biggest budgets to do it you still look very put together and Italy, if they just go up to the local piazza for a coffee, they look gorgeous. You know, they're going grocery shopping. They're definitely not in their active wear like we do here in, in, in Australia. Um, and I think I like to carry that on a little bit. And I do like making people uh, feel good and feel more confident, uh, no matter what your shape, your size, or your shopping budget. And I'll always, always kind of hold on to that and, and do that. You definitely do. And I think that is, it just shines through on your Instagram and your social media. So... As a PR, putting my little publicist hat on, how can we best get our brands in front of you for whether it is celebrity dressing or just to be on your brand list? Yeah, good point. I mean, end of the day, clothes are crucial and they're part of so many facets of PR. So some things that I do do, I do a lot of um, personal branding work where I work with corporates or small companies who might just need new corporate images for the people in their office. Because at the end of the day, our image is, you know, on our profiles, it's on LinkedIn, it's, it's a, our professional image is very important. So I do work with different companies going in saying, right, let's make you all look gorgeous, let's take some new headshots, let's think about the image that we're projecting out. 
uh, and I work with a lot of corporates to kind of think about their image and help them build their image or people might be going for a new job and they're trying to step up in their career. So it's like, well, you need to step up and dress for that job that you want. So I do a lot of wardrobe shopping and audits and going through people's wardrobes and making sure they look the part. Styling campaigns and photo shoots, a lot of PR, obviously do a lot of photo shoots and editorials, so help with that. Shooting lookbooks and then events. So everything from, you know, helping people choose their outfits for events to maybe styling. Um, there might be, you know, wait staff or um, hostesses or styling a display, a visual display. So there's so many different aspects where PR and fashion and myself all kind of join in. And it's lovely working with a client to kind of work on what work on what they want to achieve and helping them deliver it. One of the big campaigns that Kate & Co PR work with you on and what we were just talking about um, offline was because the Autumn Carnival just wrapped up for the Australian Turf Club. But you also then again style for the Melbourne Cup Carnival as well. I'd love to know what are the major differences between styling for both Melbourne and Sydney for the races and then also in general between the two cities is there a big differentiation in terms of styling you know what in terms of styling for the racing I think Melbourne and Sydney are very on par like there's a lot of similarities we do things very similarly overall if you had to break down Melbourne style versus Sydney style I think Melbourne traditionally is known for being you know wearing a lot more darks or blacks Sydney a little bit more in their active wear by the beach that coastal kind of vibe um but apart from that, when it comes to racing I think they're both very similar I think there's been a shift with weather. I think Melbourne has now taken the crown of beautiful, gorgeous, sunny weather over Sydney. Uh, so that might change uh, things. But uh, yeah, I think we're both quite similar when it comes to racing style. I'd love your thoughts too. Around post-pandemic dressing, I have to say, originally I was a Melbourne. I, t- I would wear all black. My whole wardrobe was all black. But since COVID, I actually like tend to dress do the dopamine dressing, dressing in really bright colours. Have you seen that come about? Absolutely. So this was a topic we spoke on today, actually this morning, because there's two funny things happening right now. So right now, obviously, we've got dopamine dressing, which is this kind of, you know, anti the COVID, the sweats, the black, the grey, the trackies that we were all wearing, which we lived in, but now we're over that. And we want to wear colour because when you wear colour, it just makes you feel better. You know, it just makes you feel happier. So as we're seeing on the runways, bright pinks, bright red, blues. These colours just make us happy to wear. But there's this new TikTok trend called uh, Coastal Grandma. I'm not sure if you heard about this one, but Coastal Grandma, it's all about, uh, it's very Noosa-inspired looks, so lots of white, lots of beige. Um, so I spoke about how yeah, there's something for everyone in the fashion world right now, whether you're dopamine dressing and doing the bright colours or you are embracing this coastal nana vibe, this Noosa nana who's uh, a little bit more in the classic whites and beige spectrum. So something for everybody. You just mentioned TikTok around this latest trend. Is it online that you source your styling inspiration or where do you turn to? Good question. Yeah, I think social media plays a very large part in uh, inspiration right now, whether it's Instagram, TikTok. I'm a little bit old school too in terms of I do still love Pinterest. I think there's something great about Pinterest and creating Pinterest boards because you know, as a stylist, I'm constantly referencing, you know, maybe I need a certain hair or makeup reference. So it's nice to just have some folders that I can quickly re- refer to. Or you often just see things in visuals and images. You can put them into your little folders. I'm often scrolling through Vogue runway, just checking out all the runways and see what's happening there. It's important to kind of understand what's happening from, from that scenario and how it will filter down to what I'll be styling. And occasionally, I still love flicking through a good old magazine. I know that is probably so old school, but just sitting down with a coffee and a, you know, a glossy mag and flicking through those pages, 
uh, is, yeah, still love doing that as well. I agree. There's nothing like touching a, a magazine and just spending your Sunday morning with one. Isn't it great? Something about it. It's so beautiful. And uh, I do hope we kind of come back to that point one day where all the magazine titles that we may have lost do come back and we do kind of pick up. Because, I mean, look at Polaroid cameras, for example. They're making it become a disposable camera. So there is this kind of cycle happening and I'm hoping that we do come back to magazine world and we'll be all flicking through magazine pages hopefully and i feel like the 90s fashion is totally back in trend so surely magazines come with that yeah this whole uh, 90s y2k fascination so i really do hope that magazines do come back as a part of that definitely and looping back onto working on a campaign or a client or an event what is the best way for you to be briefed Okay, that's a really good question. I think, I mean, I still love having that initial meeting, whether it's a Zoom or in person, now that we can do in-person meetings and just having a really good chat, making sure we're both on the same page, we get what, what's going to be happening. And then just getting a very nice clear brief in writing after that with obviously all the details of who, when, budget, very important, um, who's the talent, who am I addressing? And I know most people just provide a size but I like to take it that next step further. So if I'm dressing someone, especially someone that may be famous or um, in, in, the, in the celebrity circles, not only do I want to know their size, I want to know like their colours, eye colour, how tall they are, their body shape, what are their best assets. I think with most women is it's all about accentuating your best assets. And I think all women have best assets. And most women struggle to tell me their best assets. They're very hard on themselves. You girls are too hard on yourself. As soon as I say, what parts of your body you're not as comfortable with, they'll give me a whole list. I don't like my tummy. I don't like my bum. I don't like my arms. But when I say, well, what parts do you like? They actually really struggle. And all women have beautiful body parts. So, you know, always know your best parts. So tell me those parts you don't like that can make you feel really comfortable in whatever I put you in. So that kind of helps me formalize a full brief. Uh, And then I will then kind of put a bit of a mood board together for the client. And then we kind of bounce back from there. And then we kind of get some sort of sign off and and we take it from there. And I think too, one thing from a PR perspective is giving you as much notice as possible because things change and so many things come up last minute. But if we can avoid that scenario as much as possible, love that. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The more time, the better. That's for sure. I mean, I, I always know you get those last minute press opportunities, which might be with a newspaper or for TV. I mean, that's understandable. But, you know, if we can have as much notice as possible, we love you for it. I feel like I would have done your head in a few spring carnivals ago, but you were always so quick. So thank you for working with my very short deadlines. My pleasure. (laughs) One of the things you mentioned before around for anyone wanting to get into styling was to manifest the career of your dreams. And I think that is definitely usable for any sort of career, but I would love to know what are you manifesting next for you? So for me, I feel like after styling for about 14, years now and I've styled so many women like thousands of women and I've kind of worked out there's certain dresses that I sometimes really struggle to find for my clients like I said most women I style may be a little bit insecure about their tummy or might be insecure about certain body part and I want to create a range of dresses that help women feel absolutely confident and feel fabulous the minute you put them on you're like yes I feel gorgeous and I want to put all the elements that I know a, a lady usually looks for in a dress and help her create a perfect uh, range of dresses so that's kind of what I'm manifesting at the moment just working on from a high level perspective starting to look at fabrics doing a bit of sampling um, but when I launch I want to do it right 
and I'm kind of manifesting like, do I go big? Do I go hard? Do I need investors? I'm like, yeah, you know what? I would love, wouldn't mind, you know, maybe someone to come back me, almost maybe kind of the creative. Because I'm great at creative. I'm a total fluffy creative person. And it's like, I almost need someone who's a little bit more business minded and has the numbers and all that kind of stuff. And together, I know we can just like set, dominate the Australian market. So I'm manifesting that. I'm manifesting that for you too, because I feel like I'm manifesting that dress appearing in my wardrobe. Oh, amazing. I'm manifesting that for you as well. It's just something that, you know, as a little kid, I was always sketching and drawing around the house. Mum's got my exercise books from primary school where in the back I was just like doodling little um, dresses and outfits and then I was making things for my troll dolls. And I feel like if I don't have a go at making these dresses, I haven't fulfilled something that as a little child I remember doing. I remember once I stole my neighbor's Barbie doll. So, Kate, if you're listening, I'm so sorry for doing that. But I stole her Barbie doll because mum obviously wouldn't allow me to buy a Barbie doll for me, so I stole hers. And then I was making little dresses with it with out of tissues and toilet paper. And I vividly remember how happy that would make me feel. And so I feel now I need to live that fantasy out and make real dresses. Isn't it funny those little things in our childhood kind of come back out when we're older, like it loops in with our career? I remember when I was, I must have been about 12 years old, me and my friend would record on Garage Band little radio shows. <laughs> now here I am. Oh, no way. See, and but don't you feel when you're doing it, you just feel like you're achieving something that you always long to do and it feels really good. It feels right, exactly. So I feel, and I mean, my whole career's felt great because I've been dressing clients in dresses by other designers. But now if I can just take that next step and create my own range of dresses, if I sell three dresses, I can still at least tick that box and say, hey, I had a go at it. But I feel I know enough about the industry now and I know I can see the gaps in the industry and I'm ready to, to have a go. If we did have the next Donny Galela listening along, being like, this is what I want to be, and we mentioned manifesting, what are some really tangible steps that they can do to get to where you are today? That is a great question. So I think what happens in my industry is you come along as a young stylist or entering the fashion world and you, there are some hard yards you've got to do. Some, there are some crappy jobs, whether it's, you know, assisting someone, you know, taping shoes, steaming clothes, getting stains out of clothes. Look, yeah, they are crappy jobs. But if you can kind of persevere through that first year or two of doing those crappy jobs, I think then your path ahead is, is good to go. Um, what happens is a lot of people will drop out after a few months and, and they don't give it a go. So if you can just persevere, just get through that because we've all done those crappy jobs and persevere and just keep thinking about, you know, those, that, that ladder ahead, then I think you'll nail it. And then also be open just ex to experimenting with different facets within the industry. You may think you want to do fashion PR, but once you're there, you might love working on the set of a television show or the set of a movie. So just be open to trying different facets of the industry. If you don't like one, great, try the next one. And uh, and then hard work, good time management skills, and fundamentally, be a nice person. Because end of the day, I just remember people in my industry because I love working with them. If it's a hair and makeup artist, if it's a, a photographer, I will rebook them again. There might be someone that's 10 times more skilled than them or 10 times more fabulous, but if they're just bloody nice to work with i'll book them again and again and i think that's the most important just be nice always be lovely with the people around you thank them like i still i mean probably what i should do and i know a lot of other stylists is they 
send couriers to return dresses back to designers and where possible. I still love going back personally and returning the dress to that designer and saying, thank you so much. Show them some photos from behind the scenes. And it just allows you to keep building that rapport with that designer. And, it, and they, they really love that too. And, you know, bring them a little box of chockies and say, thanks so much. We just shot this dress. And just little things like that, I think, are very important and go uh, people appreciate and love. I actually recall you dropping, I think you dropped us cupcakes to the Sydney office once during a spring racing carnival and we were like in the middle of it. So we were all sleep deprived and we needed the sugar and we totally appreciated it. Yeah, see what I mean? And yeah, I I just think it's those little things that you might think it's just a tiny little token, but on the other end, it could be so well received and appreciated and you can bring someone that little bit of joy. And if you can do that, um, then why not? That is just the most perfect advice and it, it works for any industry whatsoever. It does. It really does. So good one. Good one for sharing. And now I have to ask a few little PR specific questions so we can all become a better publicist after listening to this episode. So as a stylist... And I feel like I would know half of them because I've probably done them all to you is do you have any PR pet hates? I think one that I've noticed lately, and I think this is directly related to the world of social media and wanting to getting people to share things perhaps. And, you know, I've received some beautiful PR packages and I'm so grateful for the things that I do receive. But often not, you might receive, you know, something that is, say, this big, but it is packaged up in something bigger than this. And it's so much plastic and wrapping and all that and it just makes things like oh like that could just been set in a cute little recyclable pouch or something but you've sent me all this that i'm gonna just have to throw straight in the bin and i know it looks pretty on the gram and all that but we also have to do think about our poor little environment and and the effects that has so i think you know pr send outs just be a little bit smarter with what is being sent out uh and and do you need to do you know include some of that packaging and then maybe also when you're thinking about budgets for styling, you know, sometimes a client might think, okay, we just need to shoot one red dress while we're holding the champagne. But, you know, that one red dress, there's time and thought and effort behind that. Like there's planning, there's sign-off. Um, so it's more than just, you know, borrowing that one dress. So just thinking budget-wise, the time it takes to kind of you know, provide options, get things approved, then go sourcing it then you've got to get a dry clean and you've got to return it back. So there are many hours behind that, just that sourcing that one red dress. So just thinking about um, the steps that the stylist might have to go through uh, and then factoring that into the budget as well. Definitely. And they're both great points. And especially that one around PR packages, I think that it has been something that is starting to shift within the industry. Obviously, there's still a long way to go, but at the end of the day, like a lot of the time, the product is the thing that's photographed, not the box it comes in, no matter how beautiful it looks. On the other end of the spectrum, do you have any highlights from working with a PR? Um, I mean, probably a great example that I can draw on is the recent autumn carnival with Australian Turf Club and obviously Kate and Co looking after the PR for that. And it's just lovely to, as a stylist to kind of have that that three-way energy where together you're trying to achieve something together, you know, getting the stylist get or getting me on board and then saying, hey, this is our objectives. And then together you kind of feel like you're working on this cool project all together and every time you see, you know, your work on the front cover of a newspaper or on TV, you feel really joyous because you say, oh, I helped achieve that. Because usually being a stylist is quite a solo, you're quite, you're quite by yourself. Um, sometimes you might just be with a photographer or hair and makeup, so it's a, quite a soulless kind of career. 
But then when you're part of, you know, a, a PR team, suddenly you feel like oh, I'm part of this whole big team. Like I've got friends and together we're collectively trying to achieve something. So I really enjoy um, that side of things and working with, with you guys. And I feel like too, that's such a great example of like a long-standing relationship, not only with the agency, but with the client as well. You know, that's been going on for a number of years now and it's just getting bigger and better each year. Absolutely. Well, and that's it. Every season, you just want to better yourself and you think, right, okay, you know, this season I style 20 different looks. What are we going to do next season? Like, How can I up the ante? What new milliners can I work with? What new designers can I work with? And it is really exciting and there's this almost like this movement where different designers or milliners are seeing what we're creating. They, they reach out to me too saying, oh, my God, I love what you did with the style guide or I love what you did with our X person on the daily telly. Can I be involved next season? And it's really lovely to see this little movement happening where people reach out and say, oh, I want to be part of that too because I love showcasing up-and-coming designers or up-and-coming milliners um, to allow them to have this forum to show their work, I think is so special and so beautiful. So it's so cool to, to be part of that. Love that. And what is the best way for a publicist to build a relationship with a stylist like yourself? Uh, just take us out for a really boozy lunch. <laughs> now that we can do lunches again. Agreed. Yay, bring back the long Friday lunch. Look, just reaching out, make, you know, if coffee is always good. I think right now, while we can do things in person again, like let's capitalize on that and go out for a coffee, go out for a, a lunch, uh, and just build those relationships with between stylists and PRs. I think it's really important. I agree. And it was so long that we couldn't actually see people face to face. So it's so nice that we finally can do that. Agree. So let's maximize that. Yes, for sure. And we are nearing the end of the interview which is so sad because I have loved catching up with you Donnie it's always such a pleasure to chat to you but I have four final questions for you they're super quick fire are you ready I am ready go let's do it okay email or phone call email zoom or in-person meetings oh in person what is your typical day in media consumption lots and lots of social media <laughs> I think like yeah a lot of it's consumed through social media and Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok? Oh, gosh, this is a really hard one. TikTok is so entertaining and so fun. And it's so random because you just never know what you're going to get next. So I'm going to choose TikTok for that reason. I love that. I feel like no one ever chooses TikTok because it can be quite polarizing, but I love it. I love it because it's like a lucky dip, right? Every time you swipe, you do not know what you're going to get next. With Instagram, it's all quite same, same. Everyone's portraying this person, this professional, polished, beautiful life. Whereas TikTok, it's just people being stupid, dogs being cute, recipes I've got to make, good looking people. It's just a bit of everything. I feel like I just save TikTok videos because I'm like, oh, that looks like fun. I want to do that workout or I want to do that like recipe. Never look at them again. <laughs> Never look at them. But it's nice to know that we've got them there in case we ever need to refer to them. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Donnie. We appreciate it. We love you and we can't wait to keep working with you. Oh, thank you. Right back at you. So I uh, so love to see you in your element doing what you love as well. Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR.